0: Happy Easter, and it's great to have you join us on this Easter celebration. With the stay-at-home orders, many of us find ourselves not only being involved in more conversations than normal, but also having discussions about subjects we have never explored. That's why people are Googling more than ever before, which also accounts for the fact that sometimes your Internet's a little slow, and the word buffering has become the new swear word. But, you know, I understand why you're, you're Googling things, because you want to make sure you can back up your opinion in said discussion. I see a lot of that in, in worship services. When I'm preaching a message and maybe I quote a study or a statistic, I'll often see several people take out their phones and, and go ahead and search for that source. That's one of the major reasons that I'll go ahead and cite the source in the message itself. Uh, I believe and and certainly expect a lot of Googling is going to be done today because the message of Easter is all about prove it. In the first century, the Galilean named Jesus proclaimed that he was the Son of God in the flesh, that he had come down from heaven as the promised Messiah to offer forgiveness of sins and eternal life in heaven to all who trusted in him as Savior. That was a message that was special. But skeptics didn't like that. Jesus even proclaimed that that his words were the only truth and that he was the only way to heaven. And yet skeptics and, and scoffers alike simply shouted, prove it and they still do today although they use google in a search which has algorithms that aren't so favorable to christians jesus knew that easter was the ultimate proof that he was who he said he was one of jesus disciples in his biography recorded in the first century uh, mentions this his name is matthew he says Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. Let's do a little research. Before we explore Jesus' claim, let's make sure we establish a firm foundation of facts off of which to work. The historicity of Jesus is a well-established fact. Jesus is one of the most well-documented, if not the most documented individual, in the history of the world. For example, he's mentioned in the writings of a first-century greek writer by the name of thallus he's mentioned by pliny the younger a roman writer in the first century and a lawyer he's mentioned in the writings of two roman historians Suetonius and tacitus and he's even mentioned in the writings of a historian a jewish historian who actually worked for the for the romans by the name of flavius josephus But the greatest amount of details about Jesus' life and ministry are recorded in the Bible in four independent biographies of Jesus' followers. And all of those biographies far exceed all of the criteria that academia likes to use today to prove the historicity of other ancient individuals and their writings. So, the fact is, we know that Jesus existed. We also know that that Jesus was handed over to be crucified according to Roman law. That he was crucified, that he died, that he was placed in a borrowed tomb. Then three days later, Sunday, uh, his disciples claimed that he had risen from the dead and some even said they, they saw him. We also know with certainty that the tomb was empty. It caused the the greatest movement the world has ever known. It brought about the movement we call Christianity, the world's largest religion. Now those are facts that really no one disputes today, that uh, the vast majority of people agree upon. But did Jesus physically rise from the dead or not? This is where Google often fails. If you do a Google search about Easter, you may come across some explanations where people try to tell you Easter didn't really happen because the disciples of Jesus stole the body and then just wanted to manufacture a resurrection. You often will hear this if you do a Google search. Um, Matthew, in his biography, actually talks about where this rumor, this lie that proves the resurrection, originated. He says, While the women were on their way, that Sunday morning, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep, which is going to be problematic for the Roman soldiers, which we'll talk about in a minute. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. The, the problem with this story is that they had posted a full guard of Roman soldiers to protect the tomb. A full guard of Roman soldiers would contain as many as 16 well-trained, heavily armed professional fighting men. You mean to tell me this ragtag team of Jesus' disciples, some are going to sneak by this very well-trained group of guards and take the body? Every Roman soldier knew if you fell asleep on your post and at your post, you were executed. But let's say the disciples pulled it off. They did take... They did take Jesus' body. They still had to remove a a stone from the tomb's mouth that weighed two to three tons. Surely it was going to make some noise. There had to be a light sleeper among the group. But let's just go ahead. Let's go ahead and agree that Jesus' disciples somehow pulled it off, stole the body to make it look like a resurrection. Then you still got to tell me how it is that after Easter, 11 out of the 12 disciples all are martyred for the faith that they go ahead and are willing to die some gruesome deaths, all because of their testimony of a risen Savior and an empty tomb. You know, uh, I I do know that people will often die for what they believe, even if it's wrong. I mean, that happens all the time. But people aren't in the habit of dying for a lie, especially one they allegedly concocted. And remember, these men, these disciples of Jesus, just a day or two before, were so afraid so scared, so weak in their faith that they even denied knowing who Jesus was. And yet after the resurrection, days and weeks and years later, they all willingly walked to their deaths. And many of them died in gruesome ways. If you want to know that, just go ahead and Google it. You'll see. So, did Jesus' disciples steal the body? The reasonable evidence we have tells us that is not possible. But, but, but did maybe the, the Roman officials and the Jewish officials, did they take Jesus' body? That's another explanation, another way people try to explain away an empty tomb on Easter morning that's out there. It's not held by a lot of people, but it's out there, and so you should know a little something about it. But the problem with this view, this explanation, is its motive, the why. These were the very officials that made sure there was a guarded tomb. These officials, their, their greatest fear was that Jesus' disciples were going to steal away the body and proclaim that there was a resurrection. Matthew, in his biography in the first century, mentions this as well. He says, The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, this, that deceiver said, After three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go and make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. You see the problem with the why? Did the Roman officials or the Jewish officials take Jesus' body? That belief would fly in the face of everything we know to be true. But in your Google search about Easter, you may also run across another way to try to excuse away the resurrection, one that I'm, I'm surprised that people sometimes believe, and it is that the disciples just simply hallucinated that they saw a risen Jesus. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you saw it? Um, Stress, greed can make you do a lot of different things. Uh, This hallucination theory would be plausible if there was only one sighting of the resurrected Jesus after Easter. But the facts tell us there were hundreds. The, uh, The Apostle Paul, in the first century, around 55 AD, writes a letter to a group of Christians living in Corinth that's, that's still in our Bibles today. And he mentions this very fact. He says this, Jesus appeared to Peter and then to the Twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living. So in other words, hey, you don't believe in a resurrected Jesus? Hey, Fred down the street still alive. Go talk to him. He was there along with many others. Then he appeared to James, who was the leader of the church at that time, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also. Very few people actually seriously hold to this explanation because, first of all, a hallucination or a a mis, I don't know, a misciting would, wouldn't explain the hundreds of eyewitness accounts of seeing a risen Jesus. Plus, all the Roman officials would have had to do is produce a dead body and they would have brought everyone back to reality. In your Google search, you may come across a fourth way to try to explain away the resurrection. It's called the swoon theory. The swoon theory posits that Jesus really didn't die, but rather he just passed out or swooned due to loss of blood, pain, and exhaustion. You often will hear about this one, too. But a simple review of the facts renders this explanation impossible. First of all, understand, trained Roman soldiers went ahead and flogged Jesus. The fact that Jesus even survived the flogging, which would often expose internal organs and your bones, is surprising. Then we're told in the accounts, that uh, Jesus is literally pierced. He is impaled with four-inch thorns, probably felt like nails, that pierce his face and his head with a kind of a mock crown given by his captors. It's hardly the cute little picture, children often color this time of year in Sunday school. Then we're told that 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 crowned head was beaten with the equivalent of what we call today a baseball bat. And then Jesus was made to carry the the crossbeam of his cross, weighing up to 50 to 75 pounds. And he carried it to the place where he would be crucified, and when he could carry it no more, he fell, and likely fell right on his face without getting his hands in front of him. And there, they nailed him to the crossbeam. If you want to know about the gory details of crucifixion, go ahead and YouTube it. It was intensely painful. In fact, today we have an English word that refers to crucifixion. We call it excruciating, which literally means from the cross. On that cross, Jesus suffocates. And the Roman soldiers who were professionals in death, especially those who carried out crucifixions every day, the Roman soldier had to make sure Jesus was dead because the Roman soldiers knew if you ever took a live person off the cross, you would then be nailed to that very cross. And so a Roman soldier took his phylum, uh, a pilum, P-I-L-U-M. It's a six-foot, seven-inch spear, and jammed it through Jesus' ribcage, piercing his pericardium. then he pronounced Jesus dead. Jesus was then buried in a borrowed tomb. His body was wrapped in strips of cloth with about 75 pounds of burial spices. For three days he had no food, water, or medical care of any kind. And somehow you're expected to believe that a man in this condition after such torture, such a death, somehow didn't die but came to life in that dark tomb and in that condition was able to roll away a two or three ton stone and then defeat the special forces of rome as if he was some kind of jewish ninja listen the resurrection takes less faith to believe than that well my friend the the facts all point to the same conclusion jesus physically rose from the dead I know that some will still find that hard to believe. I understand that. People generally don't rise from the dead. We, we know that today. They certainly knew that back then. But that's what makes Easter so different. That's what changed the world more than 2,000 years ago. You see, Easter is much, much more than just hats and, and spring dresses and Easter lilies. It's, it's much more than those baskets with that fake green grass, that plastic, as well as those colored Easter eggs. It's more than that large, solid chocolate bunny that you want to give your pastor uh, this coming week and can be dropped off any time during normal business hours. See, Easter is... Uh, Easter is really all about something that changed the world more than 2,000 years ago. The tomb was empty, and empty is good. In a time when, right now, empty brings about a lot of anxiety in people's lives, Easter's empty tomb brings true peace. Oh, this stay-at-home order that kind of feels like a, a prison sentence, doesn't it? is a time when we again can really think about our past poor priorities and our careless choices. We can again realize that one day you and me and all people are going to stand before a holy, just God and have to give an account for our lives. We're going to stand before a holy and just God who owes us absolutely nothing except what we really deserve. A life sentence in an eternal prison called hell which is empty of any kind of blessing. It amazes me how our God can use even the hardship of this pandemic we find ourselves in this Easter celebration to remind us, and even the most hardened skeptic, of the reality that one day he will certainly face. Easter's empty tomb proclaims that those in Jesus don't have to have such anxiety because those in Jesus every morning awake to the message forgiven are clothed with Jesus' robe of righteousness to wear and are handed the scroll of his word to serve as a light and guide for the events on their schedule that particular day. As a Jesus follower, ultimately, you have nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. Your debt's owed account is empty, and empty is good. In a time when empty is often causing so many people sorrow, an empty house, an empty bed, an empty chair around the table, Easter's empty tomb brings certain hope of a reunion. I know that some of you listening to me right now, this will be your first Easter without that special person in your lives. And the pain and sorrow that you feel can make your bones ache, and I'm sorry for your loss. Easter's empty tomb proclaims the message that the emptiness you feel for your lost loved one, who, which causes such pain and sorrow in your life, in the big picture, is as temporary as Jesus' stay in the tomb. Jesus said as much when he said these words. Because I live, you also will live. His empty tomb announces a fulfilling appointment he's made in his calendar for you, and your believing loved one. In a time when empty brings about a great deal of a lack of direction, you know, an empty office, an empty schedule, an empty email box, Easter's empty tomb brings lasting purpose. I am amazed how heaven's grave robber can go ahead and use the time we have right now as as we're in our homes to remind us that the eternal is always more important than the temporary. The God reminds us that if you're a Jesus follower, the reason you're still taking air upright and you haven't assumed room temperature yet is because you are here with the mission as ambassadors for Christ to share a message that tells people this life isn't what matters, it's the next one. Easter's empty tomb proclaims there is life after this life you see when you do a google search you never know what's gonna come up go ahead do the search yourself you'll be surprised search and you will find out what others have that jesus is the only person who ever walked on this earth who predicted his own brutal beating crucifixion and physical resurrection and then three days later pulled it off in front of countless witnesses most of whom three days earlier had cried for his blood. Go ahead. Don't trust me. Do your own research. Do your own study. And you will discover that Easter's empty tomb continues to proclaim joy. You will discover that in any era of the world's history, in every time in our country, on this very day of your life, Easter's empty tomb proclaims the best is yet to come because empty is good, very good. Happy Easter.